0: y'all give y'all yourselves a hand clap. Give all the mothers a nice warm round of applause. We love you guys. Thank you so much for what you do and we love you and we honor you today. Amen. Amen, I'm so excited to be with you on Mother's Day. And uh, today, this is the final message of our series called The Nature of God. This is week five, the final series of Nature of God. And if you download our app, all the notes for every message on the series is there. So you can even follow along there. There's even an option where you can add your notes. So you can follow along and add your notes to the app as well. And you can also go back on the app and listen to all the messages. If you have Spotify, you can search New Life Church Mobile. You can go back and listen to all the messages as well from this series and previous series. Uh, all the messages are there as well. So today is fitting that on Mother's Day, that the final message in the series of Nature of God, we're talking about the God of generations. The God of generations. And God is a generational God. And it's fitting on Mother's Day because we know that life comes through women. Without mothers, there is no life. There are no generations. And I just felt like that was so fitting that this week or this day that the final message is on Mother's Day about the God of generations. So we're going to go to our main uh, passage of scripture that we use for this entire Series from Exodus chapter 34, verse 6 through 8. And there's a certain phrase in here that we're going to highlight and we're going to uh, dissect a little bit deeper. Exodus chapter 34, verse 6 through 8. It says, The Lord passed in front of Moses, calling out Yahweh, the Lord, the God of compassion and mercy. I am slow to anger and filled with unfailing love and faithfulness. I lavish unfailing love to a thousand generations. I forgive iniquity, rebellion, and sin, but I do not excuse the guilty. I lay the sins of the parents upon their children and grandchildren. the entire family is affected. even children in the third and fourth generations, Moses immediately threw himself to the ground in worship. Again, today we're going to talk about the God of generations and throughout this whole series of nature of God, we learn so much about who God is and his nature. We know that Yahweh is, he will always be who he has always been. He doesn't change. He's a God of compassion. He's a God of grace. He's a God of patience. He's a God of loyal love. He's a God of faithfulness and truth. And truth. And today we're going to talk about the God of generations. Let's pray. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for your presence and just the ability to come together to learn more about you, open up our hearts today to receive what you have, and to speak to us about the generations in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. There's a key part in that that we read that we're going to highlight today, and it's four things in this passage that are going to be our main subject for today. And it says, "I lavish unfailing love to a thousand generations. I forgive iniquity, rebellion, and sin, but I do not excuse the guilty." I lay the sins of the parents upon their children and their grandchildren. The entire family is affected, even children in the third and fourth generations. Moses immediately threw himself to the ground and worshipped. So there's four things that we're going to highlight today that we're going to dissect. And the first thing is this. It says that he lavishes his love to a thousand generations. If you take a note, you can write that down. He lavishes love to a thousand generations generations. What does this mean? It means that God protects, he guards, and he ensures his hesed love. Remember, we talked about hesed love. He ensures his hesed love for a thousand generations. And a generation is thought to be uh, 25 years. So, if God says that he wants to pour out or His, he wants to lavish his love for a thousand generations, that's 25,000 years. If we're thinking about uh, uh, generations. That's 25,000 years. As God says, I want to lavish my love on your family for a thousand generations or 25,000 years. That's an amazing thought to think about. We can't even fathom how long it is. that is. That doesn't even make sense. Like 25,000 years. Like that number doesn't even register in our mind. But God says that's how long I want to lavish my unfailing love on your entire generation or on your family tree for a thousand generations. And God is a God, he's a generational God. The Bible is full of examples of God using generations to move. If we look at it, he first started off with, I'm the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. That's generational. He also said that Aaron, that through his line, there will always be a priest through the line or the lineage of Aaron. Through David, there will always be a king in the lineage of David. And even the gospels. When you start reading the Gospels, it starts off with this one begot that one and that one begot this. It starts off breaking down generations throughout the Old Old Testament and the New Testament. But God is a generational God. He moves through generations and he moves through families. Amen. Amen. When Jesus came on the scene, he called James and John. He called Peter and Andrew. Jesus' first cousin was John the Baptist. He moves through families. So God moves through generations. He moves through families. And God saves people through families. If we look about, God was so fed up with the earth in the day of Noah that he says, I'm going to wipe this entire, this entire planet. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to destroy it. But he said, but Noah, because you're a righteous man and you obey me, I'm going to save your family. And because of his love, his unfailing love, he lavished his love on Noah and his family, and he spared his family, and they repopulated the earth. If we think about Rahab, Rahab, he spared uh, Rahab's whole entire family because she looked favorably upon the Israelites when they came in. And it's all these things. God, he, You never know how God is going to bless you through previous generations through your family line. You don't know the prayers that were prayed through your family generations before you that you're standing on today. You don't know great-great-great-great-great-great-great-grandmother or grandfather was praying prayers for you right now that you're reaping the blessing of because God says he wants, to, he wants to lavish his love for a thousand generations. I thank God for the ancestors that I don't know that have prayed prayers for me to be to be in a relationship with God today. To be able to stand in front of you today. So that's why generations is so important. Because you don't know the prayers that were prayed before you in previous generations that you're standing on right now. That our ancestors, our our family, our lineage, things that they could never imagine could happen. You're walking in the fullness of that right now. Because God is a generational God. He, He walks through generations. And if you say, well, my family line, my family tree hadn't been great. Guess what? You're one step away from God changing that in your family line. Yeah. He could start with you. You could be the one that God says, you know what? I'm going, start un- I'm going to start unleashing my love on this person right now, and it's going to follow them for a thousand generations. You could be the first person in your family line to turn it around. That's an amazing thought to think about. That God can say, I love you so much. I want to lavish my love on you so much that through you, I'm going to change the history of your family for a thousand generations. Amen. Amen. So the first thing is he lavishes his love to a thousand generations. The second thing that we read, it says that he forgives iniquity, rebellion, and sin. He forgives iniquity, rebellion, and sin. When he says forgives, it, our iniquity rebellion, it's like he's carrying it away. He takes it from us, and he carries it away, and he remembers it no more. When we, when we serve a forgiving God, not a vindictive one, God is always quick to forgive. He's always looking for ways to forgive, but guess what? He expects us to forgive as well. Just in the same token of the way that he forgives, he's looking for us to forgive, forgive as well. And these three things that we talked about, iniquity, rebellion, and sin, he forgives those three things. And what is iniquity? The Bible says that we're born into iniquity, that we're born into sin. And iniquity is just a twistedness of our nature. It's just a, just a slight twist in our nature where we see things and not a clear view. it's it's, it's like a perversion. And you say, well, perversion is about, it's just a twisted distortion of the truth, iniquity. And all of us have iniquity inside of us where there's something that's just a little twisted that's a little off, but God says, you know what? I'm quick to forgive your iniquity or your behavior. There's just a a little something that's off in your behavior, God says, but I'm quick to forgive. Also, God says that I'm able to forgive your rebellion. All rebellion is is premeditated and rebellious sin that we commit. It's it's sin that says, I know this is wrong, but I'm going to do it anyway. I know what I'm doing is wrong, but guess what? I don't care about the consequences. I'm going to do it anyway. That's rebellion. When we know what we do is wrong, he says, I forgive you of that. But thank God that God doesn't see us for who we are. God sees us for who we will be a thousand generations from now. So in the midst of our iniquity, In the midst of our rebellion, in the midst of our sin, and all sin is, is missing the mark. When we act, it's like, you want to be nice, but you're mean. You want to tell the truth, but you lie. It's like, it's just missing the mark. When we do all those things, God says, I don't see you for who you are right now. I see you who you will be a thousand generations from now because I forgive you. All you have to do is receive my forgiveness. And God says, that's how I see you. I don't see you for where you are. I see you for a thousand generations from now. And I felt like these two scriptures really help us to get a picture of how much God does forgive us and and what God wants to do in our hearts. In Psalm chapter 51, verses 2 through 3, it says, wash me clean from my guilt, purify me from my sin, for I recognize my rebellion. It haunts me day and night. Wash me clean, God, from my guilt. And when we walk out to God and we pour out our hearts to God, he's quick to forgive. Isaiah 53, 5, it says, but he was pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we would be whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. God is a forgiving God. He's always looking for ways to forgive. We just have to be open to give him all of our iniquity, all of our rebellion, all of our sin, and also to forgive others. And guess what? He's quick to forgive us. Amen? So That's the second thing. He forgives our sin, our iniquity, rebellion, and sin. Third thing, he does not excuse the guilty. He does not excuse the guilty. This speaks of God's justice. Aren't you glad that we serve a just God, that he says that he does not excuse the guilty? So in practical terms, what does that mean? Aren't you glad that God doesn't look at a mass murderer and says, you know what? I know you committed all these murders, but guess what? There's no consequences. Just go free. How would that play out? If we know there's a mass murderer on the scene and the judge says, you know, I know there's all this evidence, there's video evidence of you committing all these murders, but I'm just going to let you go free. You know what? I'm just, you had a rough life, so I'm just going to. How, how would we feel about that judge? But we want that judge to stay on the bench? No, because that's an unjust judge that's not ruling a fair verdict. But God is not like that. He's a just God. He says that he does not excuse the guilty. And this is a thankful thing and a scary thing at the same time. It's like I'm thankful that he's a just God, but at the same time, it's a scary thing to know that, hey, I got to make sure that I'm living right because God is a just God. That he knows all of my iniquity, he knows all my rebellion, all of my sin. So I have to make sure that I'm living a life that's pleasing and acceptable unto him because he's the final judge. He's going fi- to uh, judge me. And David is a great example of that. David was a person that we know when he was supposed to be at war, he was out on the rooftop hanging out and he saw Bathsheba, another man's wife. So he took another man's wife and then tried to cover it up by having, having him killed. And we know how the story goes. David cries out to God, God, please forgive me. Do not banish your presence away from me. And God says, you know what? I'll forgive you, but I'm not taking the consequences away from your your decisions. And sometimes the the, the forgiveness, God is quick to forgive, but he doesn't take away the consequences of our decisions. If we think about the children of Israel, they're supposed to take a 40-day hike, but because of their disbelief and their attitudes and their untrusting of God, he said, 40 years. So he forgave them. Well, he forgave them, but he said, but you still want into the promised land. So he was quick to forgive them, but there's still consequences of our actions. And God says sometimes that, and this is what God does. He can use the pain of our consequences to build our character. And I know it doesn't feel good. But the consequences of our sin, the consequences of us being disobedient to God is something that God can use to say, you know what? I'm going to use this to build your character. And it doesn't feel good. (laughs) I remember there's plenty of times I remember I may have shared this story before. I went on a trip uh, during Christmas that I felt in my heart that God said, do not go. But I went anyway. And when I came back, it caused me to lose my job. And even though God forgave me, I still had to deal with the consequences of being disobedient to what the Holy Spirit spoke to me. And God, he will forgive you, but you have to remember, just because he forgives you doesn't mean that the consequences of what you've done will go away. We still have to be responsible for those decisions. Amen. So he lavishes his love for a thousand generations. He forgives our iniquity, our rebellion, and our sin. He does not excuse the guilty. And the fourth thing is this, he visits the sins generationally. He visits the sins generationally. And this is a tricky part of the scripture that we just read, because we just read that God forgives. But then it says he visits the sins generationally. So we're going to break this down into four different layers. We're going to break this down into four different layers. The first layer is this, is that God is clear that he doesn't judge people for their parents' sin. I know we just read it in scripture, say, but it just, we just read it in the scriptures. It says, I, I lavish on failing love to a thousand generations. I forgive iniquity, rebellion, and sin, but I do not excuse the guilty. I lay the sins of the parents upon their children and grandchildren. The entire family is affected, even children in the third and fourth generations. So we just read that, but it, God is clear in scripture that he doesn't judge people for the parent, for their parents sin. In Deuteronomy chapter 24 verse 16 it says, parents must not be put to death for the sins of their children, nor children for the sins of their parents. Those deserving to die must be put to death for their own crimes. In Ezekiel chapter 18 verse 19 through 22 reads, what you ask, doesn't, doesn't the child pay for their parents sins? No. For if the child does what is just and right and keeps my decrees, that child will surely live. The person who sins is the one who will die. The child will not be punished for the parents' sins, and the parents will not be punished for the child's sin. Righteous people will be rewarded for their own righteous behavior, and wicked people will be punished for their own wickedness. But if wicked people turn away from their sins and begin to obey my decrees and do what is just and right, they will surely not die. In verse 22, all their past sins will be forgotten and they will live because of the righteous things they have done. So we see here that God is clear that he does not put the, the sins of the parents on the children. And the second layer of this is although sin is individually assessed, they impact generations. Although sin is is individually assessed, it impacts generations. Another example, the children of Israel, because of their unbelief, God says, you will no longer enter the promised land because of your decision. So it affected their next generation. So all their children and grandchildren had to wander in the wilderness for 40 years. They got to receive the promised land, but because of their parents, they had, and it affected them, they had to wander in the wilderness for 40 years. Before they received the promise. And it's like growing up in a household. If you grew up in a household with uh, a parent or someone that was a a drug addict or, or an alcoholic, even though it was that person that committed the sin, you still felt the effects of it. If there was a parent that wasn't there or abusive or whatever the case may be, if there was anything bad in the house, even though it was a person committing the sin, it still affects the other people in the home. So that's why he says that he says although sin is is individually individually assessed, it still pa- impacts generations. So the decisions of the parents don't necessarily fall the sin of the parents don't fall on the children, but their sin does impact their children, and grandchildren for generations. And we have to be careful of that when we think about when we think about that. The third layer of this is just because he judges one generation for a sin. Doesn't mean that the next can do the same without judgment. Meaning that he can judge a generation for something and that next generation say, oh, God judged this generation so we could go out and we could do the same thing they did because he's already judged us for that. No, God is going to come back and he's going to check to see if there's been any change. He said, this has been a generation that has been a generation that worships idols. I'm going to come back to see if anything has changed. Are they still worshiping idols or are they serving the one true God? So he'll come back and he'll check generations to see, has there been any change from generation to generation or is it still the same? Because that same judgment will come back on that generation. And the fourth uh, fourth layer of this is this. Notice the drastic difference between the third and fourth generations and a thousand generations. He says that I will lavish my unfailing love to a thousand generations. I thought that's what he wants to do, and he says to the third and fourth generations, I lay the sins of the parents upon their children and grandchildren. The entire family is affected. To the third and fourth. Now it's easy to focus on the third and fourth generations to say, well, that's a bad thing. But I would rather focus on the unfailing, his lavish, uh, him uh, showing his unfailing love for a thousand generations. We need to focus on God saying, I want to lavish my unfailing love on, this gen- on your generations for 1,000, 25,000 years. Not just the part where it says that, no, you, you've, you've been in sin, and we're just going to stay right here. Because what the enemy would love for you to do is think about your shortcomings. Think about all the mishaps in your families. He'll try to get you stuck in that place. But God says, no, I understand all that, those things, but I want you to think about my unfailing love About me uh, lavishing my love for you for a thousand generations that's the focus that we should have is like God wants to lavish his love on you and your family for thousands upon thousands of generations thousands of generations he wants to unfail uh, he wants to pour out his unfailing love on you and when I think about that that is the greatest blessing to have is to think that for generations to generations to come my family will be blessed even when I'm long and gone, I know that I will leave a legacy that generations from now, my family will be, will be blessed. Because of the prayers that I prayed, because of the prayers of the ones that went before me, that, hey, guess what, my family is going to be blessed with God's unfailing love for a thousand and thousands of generations. And I love Moses' response to when God spoke these things to him at the end. It says, Moses immediately threw himself to the ground and worship. When God began to speak to these things, and when you start to think about God unfail, uh, uh, unleashing his love on you, for it should cause you to bow down and worship him. It should cause you to bow down and say, God, I'm so thankful that you show mercy and grace on me, that you show protection, that you show blessing, that you would want um, to love my family for generations and generations and generations to come. That's the God that we serve. That He's so rich in mercy, so rich in kindness, so patient with us, that He wants to unveil um, uh, His love for us for a thousand generations. He wants to pour His love on you. This is our gratitude. Our worship is our gratitude. It's we stand in awe of God, that God, that You would think so much of me, that just little old me. I know sometimes the enemy could say, "Who are you?" But God says, "No." I love you. You're my child. And because you're in my family, now you have been grafted in. Now that the blessing that I have, it could be funneled through you and poured through you, just you. You say, well, who am I? God says, you're my child. Yeah. You're my son. You're my daughter. And because of that, I'm going to pour my love on you for thousands and thousands of years. So we reflect on God's mercy on how great he is. We're thankful for him for, that he's a God of generations, that he doesn't just stop with us, but he thinks generationally. He says, I just don't want the blessing to stop with you. I want it to flow through your family for generations to generations to come. And what it does is it causes us to stand in a place of worship and a place of awe of God that says, God, you're awesome. God, I love you so much. God, I'm so thankful that you would think so much of me that you would pour your love on me for generations to generations to come. He's the God of generations. And I believe that God wants us to start thinking that way. He wants us to think generationally, not just self-centeredly and thinking about me, 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 and my little family right here. No, no, no. It's much bigger than that. We have to start thinking about generations. I know a lot of times when we think about generations, people think about generational wealth. That's a great thing to have. Generational wealth is a great thing to have. But it's an even greater thing to have a generation of blessings from the Lord. That's something that money can't buy. It's generational blessings from God. But you have to start thinking generationally and praying prayers for generations to come. God, bless my lineage for years and years to come. Unlavish your love for my family, generations, for 25,000 years. Bless my family, Lord. And when you begin to open up your heart and you begin to open up your eyes to say, I'm thinking generationally. God can do some awesome things in your family. If you've been believing for lost loved ones to be saved, start thinking generationally. Yeah. Start saying, God, I'm praying for my family generationally to come. Grandchildren and great, great, great grandchildren already been here. I'm praying for their salvation right now. Yeah. Yeah. Cousins and aunties and uncles that have yet to, I'm praying for them right now. All the, I'm praying generationally. I'm thinking bigger than myself because I know this thing is bigger than me. And when we do that, then we open up our hearts and open up our lives for God to move in a mighty, mighty way. Amen? Amen. Amen. Come on, let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise this morning. I know that was a simple message and a short message, but he's a God of generations. And we have to start thinking generationally. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you are a God of generations that you don't just stop with us, Lord God, but you look beyond us for generations and generations to come. I thank you that you would open up our hearts and our perspective, that we would see things in a greater way, in the way that you see us, Lord God, in our lineage and our families, that we would begin to pray prayers, Lord God, that will impact our family line from generations and generations to come, that you would lavish your unfailing love on our families, Lord God. Just lift your hands and just ask the Lord, Lord. Just lavish your unfailing love on my family from generations to generations to come. Thank you that you're a generational God. Thank you that you broaden our, our thoughts, our perspective, Lord God. That we will begin to pray prayers, Lord God. That from generations to generations to come, that those that come after us, Lord God, that they will stand on our prayers. I thank you for the prayers that have gone before us that we're standing on right now. And I pray, Lord God, that all those prayers that were prayed, Lord God, will come to pass. I thank you for a blessing each and every family for generations to come, Lord God, that's represented here today. Thank you that you're lavishing your unfailing love on us, Lord God. Thank you that your hand of blessing, your hand of protection, your hand of provision, your hand of health is over our families, Lord God. And I bind every generational curse right now that it stops with us right now. That if we don't have a lineage that's great, that it can start with us. That you can turn it around right now with us just by us being obedient to your word. By us being obedient to your voice. That we can start a new trend in our families. That you will lavish your love on us for thousands of generations. And Lord, we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Just keep your head bowed and your eyes closed. I want to give a final invitation, and that's for anyone that wants to surrender their life to the Lord this morning. Maybe you have served the Lord at one point and you kind of backslid and gotten away from God, but you want to come back to God and you want to live for him. If that's you in here today, I want to pray for you. I'm not trying to embarrass you. I just want to pray for you. This is between you and God, and I want to give you an opportunity to come into right relationship with God with no one looking around. If you're in the room today, even if you're watching online and you want to come into right relationship with God, I just want you to just very reverently just slip up your hand, just to acknowledge to God that God, I I need you in my life. I want to live for you. Amen. Amen. I'm going to ask everyone just to place their hand over their heart and just ask everyone just to repeat this prayer after me. Say, Holy Spirit, I thank you that you're coming into my heart today. I lay down all of my sin, all of my guilt, all of my shame. I lay it down at the foot of the cross. And I thank you that as I lay it down, you remember my sin no more. I thank you that I'm clean, that I'm pure, that I'm holy in your sight, and that I will pursue you all the days of my life in jesus name amen amen come on y'all give the lord a hand clap of praise this morning and if you prayed that prayer and if you're in a room and the seat back in front of you there's a card that says let's connect on the back it says i made a decision feel that card out on the way out doing offering you could drop that in the bucket but if you're online just let us know that you prayed that prayer in the comment section drop a line we love to reach out to you well that was week five of God, of the, the nature, that was week five of the Nature of God series. It comes to an end. We have a new sermon series next week called It Could Happen to You. Y'all say, it could happen to you. You know the things that you say, oh, that'll never happen to me. Guess what? It could happen to you. So we're going to start a new series next week called It Could Happen to You. we love to invite you to in the church, in the building with us next week at 10 a.m. Come worship with us as we start our new sermon series. It could happen to you. If you're prepared to give, uh, we give, there's a couple ways you could do it. If you're watching online, you could download our app, New Life Church of Mobile. You could give that way. You could go to our website, which is the same newlifechurchofmobile.org. On the homepage, there's a give tab that you could click that or you can mail in a check or money order. Let's pray for the tithes and offers and then we'll dismiss you guys. Lord, we thank you for the tithe. I thank you for everything that's coming in today. I pray that you will bless each and every person in their generosity that they would have more than enough. I thank you for what you're doing in our finances, Lord God. I thank you for promotions, raises, increases, unexpected checks, unexpected sources of income are coming in, creative ideas, Lord God, that you would give us to generate more income, to fund the kingdom, and to have all that we need. We love you, we honor you, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen, well, we love you guys. we love to see you next Sunday at 10 10 a.m., also this Wednesday at 6.30 for prayer. We have one-hour prayer. we love to invite you to that. Well, we love you guys. Happy Mother's Day again to all the mothers out there. Hope you have a wonderful day. We will see you next week. Amen. Amen. God.